Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. So good. Well, I hope you came ready today to get into um, the word of the Lord and um, and hopefully you've prepared your hearts and minds to receive something. I do believe that God's got something great for you. I'm going to dive right into the message because we've got, you know, quite a bit to, um, you know, quite a bit to cover here today. And I'm really trusting just like the Lord did in the first service to connect some dots um, for us here because it's a little bit different of a message but I really think that God's got something specifically for you. I want to welcome our online church. Thank you guys for being with us. And, and as you guys are feeling better and, um, and your concerns are, are going down, we would absolutely love to have you um, in the house of the Lord to be with us in person. Um, those that are present, please welcome our online church. Let them know how much you appreciate them. Awesome. They can definitely hear you. All right, we're going to be turning to the book of Psalms, chapter 126 is where we're going to start today. Book of Psalms, chapter 126. And, and um, this is during a time when, when God is bringing um, his people out of Babylonian captivity. And this is what the word of the Lord says. And I know I've got it behind me up here on the screen as well. It says, it seemed like a dream, too good to be true. When God returned Zion's exiles, we laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. Come on, there was a celebration because they were able to go back, you know, to, you know, to a place that they called home. And it goes on and it says, we were the talk of the nation. God was wonderful to them and God was wonderful to us. We are one happy people. Verse four, and now God do it again. Somebody say that. Say, do it again. Come on, there have been some cool things that the Lord has done in your life in the past, and there are going to be times in either the present or the future where you're going to have to, you're going to say, you know, Lord, I've seen it once, but do it again. And so they say, now, God, do it again. Bring our rains to our drought, our drought-stricken lives so that those who planted their crops in despair, another version says those who planted their crops in tears will shout their hurrahs at the harvest. So those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with armloads of blessing. Lord, thank you for your, for your written word. And um, today, I want to just you know, if you're new here, we've been in a series called Geared Up. Geared Up really has everything to do with being prepared for the battles in life. How many of you know that, that, um, um, that if you're not in a battle right now, you might be going into one shortly? And if you're, if you're, you know, if you're not in any of those two categories, then it's very possible that you're just coming out of a battle. But I'm just telling you this, that battles are something that, that, are, that, are, that, are, that are very common. We go through difficulties and struggles, and it's very, very common. In fact, if you're not in a battle right now, you probably know somebody that is. And so if you're geared up, geared up means that, listen, if I'm going into battle, I need to have the right tools. I need to have 
you know, I need to have the right weapons to be successful in this battle. But one of the things that keep coming around and I keep hitting on, it's not a matter of just having the right tools. It's also knowing how to utilize those tools, right? Like if, if I gave uh, uh, an M16A2 Marine Corps issued service rifle, you know, to any but to just anybody, somebody that that has never, you know, fired a, a weapon in their whole life, you know, they're not going to be able to utilize it. They're not going to know how to load the magazine. They're not going to know how to chamber around. They're not going to know how to flip that that thing off safe. If there's a jam, which sometimes happens, they're not going to know how to properly you know what I mean, clear that jam. They're not going to be worrying. You know, they, they know nothing about, about you know, uh, muzzle safety, and they're, so they're probably going to be flashing. And so the, uh, a weapon or a tool in the wrong hand, it can actually be more dangerous than it can be a uh, help. And so geared up is about having the right tools, but also being sufficient and effective with those, with those tools. I want you to know this this morning, that... Whatever it is that you're going through, I want you to know this, that God's with you. Like, like through the troubles and the hardships of life, let's not forget that we're never alone, that God is always present. Somebody needs to hear that. God is present with you right now. Well, it sure doesn't feel like he's present. It doesn't matter what it feels like. I'm telling you that the Lord is present. And I can also say this with, with bold confidence. I can say this, that the times in my own life when I have learned the most, it has been through the hardest trials and the, and the most difficulties. In fact, and maybe you're just smarter than I am. Maybe that's what it takes. But, but in fact, I will say that when things have been just smooth sailing and perfect, like, like my learning goes way, way, way down. Why? Because I'm just celebrate. I'm just like, woo, this is so good, man. I was... I was, in the, I was in the valley, but now, you know what I mean? I'm on the mountaintop, and I'm just like, I'm looking around, not paying attention on what I was supposed to, you know, learn even through those times. But for me, like, the lessons that I've learned in life have typically been, you know, because I'm a slow learner, they, they have been in and through the toughest of seasons. And if you're different than that, well, man, praise the Lord. But for me... Like my, 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 my greatest growth has happened, come on, in the press and in the, in the pressured situation. So, so today I'm going to spin something to you that might not make a lot of sense. Hopefully it will at the, by the end of the service. But I want you to recognize that, that your ability to dream, somebody say dream. dream. Say it again. Dream. Your ability to dream is a weapon against the enemy. I want you to start to view your ability to dream and to have vision as being a weapon against the enemy. The sad thing is, is, that, is that, 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 that for a lot of people, and this is true for a lot of people, not everybody, but the sad thing is, is that the last time that you really dreamt was when you were, when you were a child. When you were just little, like you used to dream all the time, like the only limitation was your imagination. So the only thing that would limit your ability to dream was your ability to think or believe. Could I do that? And most of the time it was absolutely I can do that. In fact, 
Some of you had parents just like I had parents that said, listen, I want you to know that you can do anything that you set your mind to. You know what I mean? The sky is the limits, right? Now, when you were a child, you believed that even though it's not true. You can't do anything that you want to and you can't become like I could not be a professional horse jockey. Like, I'm too big. They would, they would, that horse would be screaming up underneath me and say, listen, pal, this isn't, this isn't for you. You need to go, you need to go find something. You need to go find something else. But mom said that I could become anything that I want, you know. And um, maybe I would be the guy that would warm the horses up beforehand so they could really go faster because they got that big dude off my back and and now that you know what I mean so psychologically like we could really prepare the horses to be strong and and um but uh but come on some of you you used to have great and grandiose dreams but through time those dreams have diminished and my challenge today is just to challenge you up and and encourage you to dream again. I was thinking while putting this together, I was thinking about the town because, because once again, we, we dream so well as children. I was thinking about the town that I grew up in. I grew up in a small town, so I'm used to small town living. I grew up in a small town on the Columbia River. It's Umatilla, Oregon. And where I grew up, um, I can just tell you that the majority of people that grew up in Umatilla, Oregon, we didn't have a lot. We didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have, we just, the, it just was, there wasn't like a lot of high-end, you know, high-end, super wealthy people living in Umatilla, Oregon. And so we didn't have a bunch, but the thing is, is as I think about it more, we didn't know that we didn't have much because nobody had much. Nobody had like, like a bunch. And so, so you didn't have you know, this ability to compare what you don't have to what somebody else does have. Now, now listen, there were certainly, you know, different levels, but I can just tell you this. And, and there was probably maybe only one or two that, that I heard this from, you know, in my, in my, you know, growing up years. There was only a few people, maybe one or two, maybe three at the most, that I ever met that were peers of mine that whenever they would come back from, you know, summer vacation that they they did like a really, really cool family trip and, and went to like Disneyland. Like you just never heard that Disneyland, you know. And then as an adult and and, you know, talking to people that lived in different parts of the country that were raised differently, you know, than I was. So it's like I'm an adult. Right. And they're like, you never been to Disneyland? No, I never. <laughs> like Disneyland was a dream for you know, for, for, for the majority of the people that lived in Umatilla, like our Disneyland, we had great imaginations. Our Disneyland was when the county fair would come into town and the zipper and the, and the come on, anybody remember the zipper? Woo! Come on. It's like you had to be cool to ride the zipper because not everybody would ride the zipper. It was like the biggest ride, and now I look at it and like, really? Come on, that's, that was the, that, that, that is it? you know, the Ferris wheel. And, but this is the thing is, is that, that we would make the most of whatever it was that we were, we were given. In fact, when somebody was talking so great about Disneyland, you know what I mean? We, we, would, we would, like I would remember putting myself as they were talking, I was like, ooh, I can almost see it. I can almost, 
I can almost insert my, you know, it's so descriptive, I can almost, I can almost insert myself into it. But, uh, but it was, once again, something that we, we, we basically just were able to dream about. And so what we did, we lived on the Columbia River. There was, there was a lot to be done. You know, everybody had a boat. Most families had like a boat that had big cabins down underneath. And we would have these really cool campouts, three, four, five days at a time. We'd be on the river. We'd go down to the beach, you know, and, you know, pitch our tents and, and just hang out. We had a bunch of BLM land between our house and the, and, and the river. And so we had horses and we had all these different, you know, different fun things to, you know, fun things to do. So we made the most. But when it was time for family vacation, my dad my stepdad, he was a, a, a roadmaster for the Union Pacific Railroad. And, and, and I believe that the Turner family, way before, you know what I mean, way before this became like a real thing, like we invented the staycation. Like we, you know, many times we didn't go anywhere just because we just didn't have the means to go anywhere. But every once in a while, come on, we would take a road trip. We would, we would pack everybody up in the, in the car and we had the Blue Mountains there and then, we, you know, several hours, a few hours down the road, we had the Oregon coast. And so we would go to Seaside and, and different things like that. And we loved road trips. Like, I loved, absolutely loved road trips. We had a, a station wagon. I don't know the year of the station wagon. But when I was little, my parents had many different cars that they would. But there was a time where we had a station wagon. And this station wagon had a back you know, a back area where you would just pack stuff that was bigger than most pickup trucks today. I mean, it was like a playground. Like you could do, you could pack so much equipment in there, pack it filled with, you know, with kids. And this was the deal about station wagons. And back when I was a kid, there was not, there, there, there were no seat belts. Seat belts weren't even a thing. And, and, uh, uh, and if there were seat belts, you didn't even know how to use them because nobody ever used them. Nobody ever used it. In fact, as a kid, we would, we would drive all over the place. Somebody would have a pickup truck. You would just load up, you know, kids in the pickup truck and just go. You know, you might be able to take 30 kids in the back of a pickup truck. So, so I'm, I'm growing now. I'm, I got my own, you know, my own kids. And I'm like, yeah, just have them ride in the back of the pickup truck. And my wife's looking at me like, what is wrong with you? As if, like, that's like... You know, I'm like, I lived. You know what I mean? You lived. But things completely had changed. We didn't have, we didn't have air conditioning. We had windows that were not electric, but that were manual, that would give you 55 miles an hour of whatever wind, heat there was on the outside. It would come onto the, onto the inside. Let me tell you what else we didn't have. We didn't have, we didn't have, uh, personal cell phones, and we didn't have iPads, and we didn't have it. We didn't have televisions. Come on, to keep us, you know, to keep us entertained we, when we were traveling from one one place. Come on, we had imaginations. We we we. I had a, a brother that was four years older than I was, and and even though I hated playing this with him, we played it often on these road trips. Slug bug, and it was terrible because I was a little faster than he was. But man, if he caught a slug bug, if he if he seen a beetle before me, I just knew my arm was going to ache for at least the next 20 miles because he was bigger. Come on, we had 99 bottles of beer on the wall. That's what we had. We had tic-tac-toe. We had, 
you know, we had iSpy or our version of, of iSpy. And we had this, which was the best one. We had this, picking on whoever fell asleep first. Like, like taking a feather or taking something and tickling their nose. And then all of a sudden, it was usually my big brother that I was doing this with. And then there would be a massive fight rolling down the road at 55 miles an hour because we didn't have 65 and we didn't have 80 mile an hour speed limits. You know what I mean back then. And, and I would hear, listen, if you guys don't knock it off, I'm coming back there. And once dad's driving down the road, coming back, I'm like, somebody's got to drive the car. I got used to ducking and dodging, you know what I mean? Because there wasn't counting to three when I was a kid. There wasn't timeout. There were knockouts. There there, there wasn't, you know, there were so many things that were just different than today. I'm not going to tell you again. Listen, if Dad said it once, something was coming if, if it wasn't responded to immediately. And I'm not saying that's good, bad, indifferent. It's just the way, it's just the way that it was. Can I get an Amen. And so one of the things I can tell you, and I didn't share this in the first service, but when we would go on a road trip, dad would say, listen, go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. Oh, yeah, yep, 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 go to the bathroom. Inevitably, one of us three boys would fail to use the restroom, which meant that we would be, he would let us go, you know what I mean, after he punished us for a little while. You know, just hold it, just hold it. They didn't have as many rest stations and stops, so it meant that you were probably going to be parked on the side of the road, and in Umatilla, it's high desert. There's not like a lot of trees in that whole area, and, and you would be on the side of the road wherever he stopped, and you would either, ha- you just have to, you'd, you'd, and it's amazing to me. Mom always had toilet paper in her, pur- in her purse, always, <laughs> always. It was, it was like, how in the world? She always had what you needed, Right. Things have changed. And I'm just saying that today things are so much different. Things are so much different today. Kids don't have to even as much as look out the window because they're over entertained. They have everything that they that they need. And I'm a grandparent and I support it. And I'm like, oh, this is what he needs. Like like I was talking to Stetson just just yesterday. And I was like, yes, I'm going to talk to your mom, dad, see if we can't get you a cell phone. No, <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm totally just, they're here right now. And, 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 and I know both of them said, the heck you are. You're not going to get them a, get him a cell phone. But, uh, but I'm just saying that the imagination, the creativity, the, you know what I mean? I spent hours upon hours when I was a kid stick fighting with other neighbors and playing hide and go seek tag and kick the can and and kickball and football and all of these different things come on outside. I had matchbox like one of the biggest things I had a great matchbox collection and I would go out in the dirt and I would make these extravagant tracks only to wipe them away and to make new tracks and and you learn how to make bridges and you and you take a little bit of water and you mix it with the mud so that, you know, so that your car wheels don't get all dusty. It's almost like riding on on. And so you've got all of this creativity and all of these things. And I'm just saying that that it's amazing how we once dreamed so well 
come on, now we have a real difficult time dreaming and believing in things that, you know, go beyond what we should be able to do. And I'm just saying this, that if you don't understand this, you're not going to be able to understand it. I'm telling you, the dream is often the vehicle that God will use to get you from where you are to where he needs you to be. And we have to dream again. And the power of this message is this, that I know that God has spoken to me and he's saying, listen, you're going to be sharing this message with people, um, you know, that are here and people that are online and and they have given up on their dream and they need to stir themselves back up and begin to think and have vision and dream again. One of the things I can tell you is when I was a kid, because of where I grew up, like, like, like I, I, uh, I never saw myself really going very far. However, a freshman in high school, we just got, we just got our license. My brother, my, he's my stepbrother. He's the same age as I am, Rob. He had a girlfriend in Libby, Montana. And so we had, we had this wonderful idea on a Monday morning, telling mom, dad, hey, we're going to school, we're driving this and that. We didn't go to school. We drove three states away to Libby, Montana to see his girlfriend. And I was just hopeful that maybe I could find a girlfriend too in Libby, Montana. Night comes and mom's like, where are you guys at? Football, this and that. And, I, and We're in Libby. Libby? Where's Libby? Montana. That, that didn't really end up real well. But, but I'm just telling you that, that, that I've always loved to travel, always loved the road trip, and that was about the extent of my ability to dream whenever it came to distance. Like I would go into, into the library, even when I was a little kid, I would go into McNary Elementary in McNary, which is right outside of Umatilla, and... Um, and I would go into the library, and every library has an incredible, they got like the best globes that you can ever find. They're big, and, they're, and they've got all the details. And, and I remember I'd, get, I'd always get in trouble because I'd spin the globe, and I would spin it with the idea of what's going what's gonna to stop in front of me and then try to, you know, try to envision being able to go there at some point in the future. And the truth is, is that I could never see myself traveling Come on, to the East Coast, let alone, you know what I mean, to a completely different country or completely different nation. And I'm asking you the question today, and the question is this, is how many things have you talked yourself out of? How many dreams have you just said, listen, you know, that was just kind of a crazy a crazy thought, and because life has happened the way it's happened, you've talked yourself out of of those dreams, you know, you're saying, well, it costs too much, or nobody else has done that before, or the fear of the unknown. Man, if we go to that country, are we going to get robbed, mugged, thrown in jail, this or that? And so before you ever allow yourself to pursue the dream that God has planted in your life, come on, you've done talked yourself out of it. And I'm telling you, listen, just because that dream seems dead, it's not. It's just laying dormant. And anything that is dormant, what needs to happen is it just needs to be put back in the right atmosphere, the right environment. Amen? And you need to stir yourself up again. I want you to know today that I stand before you. I've been to Disneyland. I was able, my wife and I were able to take our kids to Disneyland for one, for one Christmas. It was awesome. And uh, we had a big time. I've also been to Disney World. I've traveled to most of the states 
most of the states in these great United States of America that we live in, I've at least traveled through the majority of them, spent time in a lot of them. I've, I've, I've been to Alaska even twice and, and Hawaii um, two times. Um, so I've gotten a chance to, you know, spend some time in there. I've been to Mexico. I made it all the way down to Tijuana, but that's another story that I won't share with you today. I got a lot of regrets from that one when I was 19 years old, but uh, I've been to the Philippines twice. I've been to Japan, both Okinawa and mainland Japan. I've climbed Mount Fuji. I've spent a lot of time in Tokyo, an incredible city. Um, I've, I've ridden the bullet train that's in Japan. Pretty amazing. If you've never had the opportunity to do that, I encourage you um, to do that. I've been to London twice. I've been to Africa, on the continent of Africa, three times. I've been to the Dominican Republic twice. I've been to Cuba. I've been to Nicaragua and probably some other places that I can't even think of. But what I'm just telling you is, is that God will take you farther than you ever thought that you could go. And it has everything to do with the ability to dream. Like there's many other places that I want to go. I've got a really great friend that's in New Zealand. Um, Chris, if you're watching, man, I'm coming to see you sometime. I want to go to New Zealand. I want to go to Australia. I want to go to the Holy Land. I want to go to Rome. I want to go to a lot of different places. And guess what? I am at the point now where I realize that I can really do, I, I can travel any stinking place that, that, that is a possibility for me to go because this is the deal. It's not about just a vacation. It's not about eating different kinds of food. It's not about the pictures that you can show people to say, hey, look, look where I've been and look at this and look at that. But it's really about two things. It's about the people that you're going to meet and the relationships that you get a chance to build because in most of these places, I have brothers and sisters, come on, that, 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 that we have relationship. I know them and they know me. I've encouraged them and thank the Lord, man, they have encouraged me. And so, so we've got these incredible relationships, but even above and beyond that, it's about elevating Jesus Christ. Come on, wherever it is that you go. And it's been incredible to see the ministry that has taken place in these different, different places. There have been many times, most times, listen, most of the time that I've ever been on a mission trip, I've thought on the front end, boy, I'm just going to go bless these people. God's just going to use me, that, that, our team. And nine times out of ten, every missions trip that I've gone on, I have come home more blessed than, and, and receiving more than anything that I've ever deposited or, or given. And so, so listen, when you go, it, it's double-sided. You're a blessing, but you're also Come on, being blessed. And it's just, it's, it's incredible. But I'm telling you that God will take you farther than you can imagine. So listen, on Thursday, I'm kind of getting my thoughts and everything together for, for this service. And it's like the Lord dropped in my spirit that, Travis, you're going to be speaking to some people on Sunday morning, whether it be online or in person, people that have given up on business dreams, specifically business dreams and, and and you know maybe you gave it a shot and it didn't work out maybe you just made some real poor mistakes yourself and it didn't work out but all of a sudden you find yourself in this place where God give you the dream and you you stepped out in faith and you fell on your face and, and so so you're just like man I must have gotten it wrong or this or that 
And I felt encouraged to stir something up on the inside of you because God is not a liar. And in fact, if God told you that, that he is going to use you, you know, in the area of business, then he absolutely will do that. I've got a, um, in this, this hit me so hard, I immediately knew who I was supposed to call. And I, uh, I reached out to my good friend, uh, Dennis, Dennis Combs, and he owns Combs Car Corral in, in uh, the Boise area. At one point in time, he had 10 locations, 10 car lots through, you know, across the, 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 the nation. Um, he's very, very successful. He is very, very wealthy. And, and this is one person that I know that God has just flooded um, a, a great business mind and great opportunities, his direction. Come on, he, 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 like I said, he's very influential. He's made a lot of money. But this is the one guy that I know that has used it, and, and I know many others, but th this guy has used his finances to advance the kingdom of God. He's willing to fly whoever, whenever, however, and, and it's just an incredible story. I asked him, he, he said, man, I don't really like this, but I'll do it because you asked. But I asked him to share, you know, um, how God has used him and the blessing that God has brought into his life to advance the kingdom of God. Go ahead and turn your attention to the screen, please. That's so good. So sometimes people can have a real difficult time even asking God for success in their business and things like that. But I'm just telling you, it goes beyond you. Like, like, like it, it's amazing the incredible um, uh, relationship that can be found between kings and priests. Amen. And so uh, I solely believe that God, you know, he, he gives people incredible business minds and incredible opportunities that nine out of ten people would walk by, but that one person sees it as such an opportunity, and it's for the greater good of advancing the kingdom of God. Dennis, I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to put that together for me. I want to ask you all just a quick question. What changed since you were a child? You know, when... When and why did we become so, so serious, you, you know, today? Like, 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 for instance, I can remember when I was a kid and it started to rain outside. Like, I would run outside most of the time without a shirt on or just whatever. I'd run outside and I'm jumping in the, in the, in the, in the mud puddles, you know, mom or dad yelling, you know, hey, don't, you're going to ruin your shoes and this and that, but you've got no care in the world. You're not worried about your hair. You're not worried about what, you know, people are thinking. Come on, it is a fun time. Now you're older. It's the same you, it's the same person. You're just an older version of it. You're just like, I can't go outside. My hair is going to get wet. And you know how long I worked on this and that? And, 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 and what in the world changed to where we are so serious now and we cannot come on we can't pursue life you know like we did when we were younger I'm gonna share with you and I'm gonna go back to Psalms chapter uh, uh, 126 here and I'm gonna share a couple of things with you and then we'll bring this thing to a close Psalm 126 um, once again God is bringing the Israelites out of Babylonian captivity there's two big things that happen to you know, to Israel. There's a lot of big things, but two big things. Um, number one, they were in slavery for a little over 400 years, between 400 and 430 years, right? And then the second big thing 
is they were in Babylonian captivity. I believe the, 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 the tenure was, was for about 70 years um, on that. So they were enslaved and they were captive. They were enslaved and then they were, they were, taken, they were taken into captivity. If we're not careful, we can look at these two things as being the same thing. Come on, they're being forced to do something beyond what it is that they desire to do. And I'm going to give you something to think about. I'm telling you this, that I believe that they're different. Like a slave, come on, a slave, they never adopt the culture fully that they're, that they're entrenched in. Now, there, there is some crossover, but a slave will continue to dream. They'll continue to dream about, about going home. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll continue to dream about the chains that might be on their, you know, on, their, uh, on their wrists and around their ankles. They can dream about the time when those are going to be lifted. They're, they can dream about you know, being you know, maybe restored you know, even somebody that's given a life sentence in our current prison situation, they still have the ability to dream, uh, you know, that something is going to change and that they're not going to spend their, you know, their last day in prison. Um, we know this, that our nation has a black eye of, of slavery, right? I want you to know I've never been a part of that, and I know that you have never been a part of that. Nobody here has ever been a slave, nor have you ever owned a slave. Um, this is something that happened years, years before, but I do want you to recognize that there is slavery that's taking place in our nation that needs to be repented of right now, and that is child trafficking. It is a terrible situation, and people, Christian groups, and and other, other people, you know, we're doing a really good job of battling. I, there's nothing that I love more than whenever you get on the news and you see that, you know, there were 40 kids that were rescued out of this situation. Or there was this uh, child trafficking ring that was exposed and, and uh, you know, 50 guys were, you know, were, were put in jail. Come on, this is happening today and it has everything to do with, with, um, with slavery. Captivity is a completely different monster. And so if you look at the Babylonian Empire, come on, it was very powerful and it, it really spread out across the majority of the known world at that time. They had a very strong military presence and they also were, you know, had superior technology. But this wasn't the biggest thing that they had going for them. Their real power is what they would do with people. Come on, they would, they, would, they would overtake people and then they would indoctrinate people with their core values and with their, with their belief system. Come on, they would change the way that people thought. You know, they would leave their old culture and they would change the way that they thought. And I really feel like a lot of that's happening even, even today. Come on, if we can just change the way that people think. It's the whole illustration of the, of the baby elephant that you put the big chain around the baby elephant's leg, that that baby elephant's going to be wrestling against it, going to be fighting that big chain, but there's no way that baby elephant can break that chain. Well, when because chains are expensive, when that elephant begins to grow, they, they, they'll slip a new chain on it, a, a smaller chain, a lighter chain, one, that, one that's not as strong. And the mentality of that baby elephant as it's growing is, is that there's no way I can, I can break this chain. 
And so now you've got a full-blown adult elephant, thousands and thousands of pounds, that have nothing more than a small string tied around its leg, and that elephant will not even fight against it because why? It's been indoctrinated. It's been changed. It's thinking. It's ability. Come on. The, even though there are people that don't have chains in our world today around their, their wrists and around their ankles uh, externally, they have chains, come on, wrapped around their minds. And this is what I'm talking to you about is we have got to know that God is the one that sets the captives free. In fact, Jesus, if you go down to, I'm going to just skip a, a bunch of this. If you, if you go down to Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, Jesus, he just started his ministry. He just gotten baptized. Well, he was baptized. He was led out into the you know, desert place to be tempted and tried by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And then he begins his ministry. He makes his way back, come on, to, um, to, to Nazareth. And, and, um, and Jesus goes into the synagogue, as he would do oftentimes. And it was his turn to, you know, to read the scroll. And the scroll was, was speaking you know, out of the book of Isaiah. And Jesus gets up at that moment and he says, listen... The Spirit of God is upon me. The Spirit of, is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor and to set the captives free. Listen, whatever you've bought into because of the struggles and difficulties of life, I want you to know that one of the very first things that Jesus did when he began his ministry is tell you and tell me that he has come to set and give liberty to those that are bound and captive. And so for us to choose to remain, come on, with limited thinking and putting limitations on our life, we are fighting against the very thing that God had said that he will do and why he went, come on, even to the cross. To save you, yes. To heal you, yes. But absolutely, you know, to set you free as well. So if we look at Psalm chapter 126 and verse 5, this is what it says. It says, those who plant... I was talking to Bo about this just last night because I was still putting all this together. I'm not a farmer, but I've got one that lives real close. I, and, he, and he was over last night, and I, I said, what do you think about this? The Bible says that those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of, of joy. See, when I began to put this together, I began to think those that plant, they still had to farm, they still had to plant and, and harvest, but... But come on, these people were in the Negev. They were in the desert. And in the desert, I don't know if, if, you know, I don't think any of us know a whole lot about the desert over there. But I'm just telling you, they don't get a lot of moisture. You know, they, and they don't have these extravagant, you know, ways to irrigate. They don't have wheel lines and hand lines and, 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 and different things as such like we do. And so, so why, what would cause... A farmer to go out and plant in tears. I was just thinking, and I could be wrong, but I think I'm right. You're taking the seed that you have. You're taking the most valuable thing probably that you possess. And, and you're taking it out into a field, into a desert space, a desert place. And you're planting it into the ground. 
And we know in, our, in, in, in and through stories that there are, there are sometimes years where there's a drought, where the rain doesn't come, and you've got multiple people that got seed in the ground, seed in the ground, seed in the ground. And so they go out there and they're wrestling, man, do I plant the seed or do I eat the seed? Do I, do I trust God with the seed or do I just, you know what I mean? Do I have a limited, you know, vision or a dream, you know, for my life? And maybe this is the last year we're going to eat all that we have and then we're just going to die, right? But no, I'm going to go out and I'm, I, I'm fearful, I'm afraid, you know, I'm planting in, in tears, but I'm putting the seed in the ground and I'm praying and trusting that God is going to bring Come on, the, the, the rain. He's going to bring, you know, the, the moisture. And so the Bible says they weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. How do you, how do you sing? Because God, he does what he says he's going to do. That's how you sing. It's like, man, I remember, God, I was so worried. But you brought the floods. You see, in the Negev, it doesn't. It doesn't rain a lot, but when it does rain, when it's raining season, it comes instantly. And do you know that in a matter of moments, that dry, what seemingly looks dead, desolate, you know, area, in, in, in just a matter of days, it goes from dead brown, come on, to beautiful, you know, uh, luscious, you know, colors and, and vegetation, in fact, sometimes it rains so much in such a short period of time, there's an excess of rain, and there are actually pools, big pools of water that, that accumulate. And, and so you can walk out and you can plant in tears, man, God, I really hope, because if not, if you don't show up, man, we're just certainly going to die. But then the Lord brings the rain. Come on, he supplies the need. He, he brings the provision. And then all of the sudden, come on, somebody, he brings what you need. And now the joy of the Lord is on you. You're celebrating as you're bringing the harvest back. Come on, to your family. It's so much greater than you even anticipated, than you, than you believed for. And I'm just telling you that the Lord right now is even stirring me up and saying, listen, you got to start trusting him again. I know you've trusted in the past and you had this thing figured out how it was supposed to work out. It didn't work out. But listen, with the Lord, you have to try and try again. you got to go back and say, did God really say you got to fight for it, church. you got to contend for it. You've got you to stir yourself up because if you're not going to, maybe the Lord will bring somebody else, but maybe not. My Bible says for me to stir myself up in my, in my most holy faith. You know what I mean? Sometimes I can just tell you that my stinking, my, my, my stinking, my, my thinking is stinking. It's terrible. My stinking mind isn't working right. That's what I'm going to say. Sometimes I got to get my head can go in the gutter into a place of man is anything. Man, there have been times where there have been times where, listen, I'll just put something together and just preach. And it just doesn't seem like it's just hitting the mark. And then that whole week, you know, I'm talking, you know, this person's contemplating a divorce and this kid's messed up on drugs and alcohol. And then we hear of a suicide that's that's happening you know, happened in our, in our community and, and, and it just on and on. You know that bad news comes in waves, right? Well, guess what? I deal with bad news too. And there's sometimes if I'm not careful, 
There's sometimes I just I can throw up my hands just like anybody else and say, you know what, is any of this even making a difference? You know what I mean? But it, luckily, it's about that time that the Lord just kind of, you know, reminds me quickly of what he's brought me through and how faithful he's been to me. And I come out of that place. But listen, man, if you don't come out of that place, you can lose years. You may never regain it back. You, ne- you may never Come on, with all of the shutdowns and all of the businesses that are closing, you know what I mean, in states that are around us, some of these people, they may never do that same business that they're doing again. But then what do we do? Do we give up on the fact that, that you know what I mean, because that went you know, upside down, that God's not going to bless what I do next? No, you trust God. You allow the Spirit of God, come on, to lead you, guide you, and direct you. And guess what? He's able, just like he was able to make you successful the first time around, don't think it was just because you were good, right? Don't think it was just because you had all the, you know, you made all the right choices, but there's this beautiful thing called grace. Amen? Beautiful thing called grace. And I just want you to know, don't stop dreaming. Don't stop believing. I think, don't stop believing. Anybody else go there? Did you just go there? I heard it. I was like, that just came right now. Peter, one of the heroes of, of our faith, the one that I always thought was like me in that he got it wrong so many times. Peter, you know, he's out with James and John. They're fishing. All of a sudden, Jesus comes by and Hey, send your boat out just a little bit further and throw your nets out. Listen, man, we've been fishing all night. We didn't catch anything. We threw it off this side and that side. He said, just do it. Goes out, and you know the story. More fish than they were able to get. Another boat comes, more fish. Jesus looks at Peter. He says, listen, as well as some of the others. He said, listen, you're a great fisherman, but now I'm going to make you fishers of men. So he changed his identity. Somebody say change. Change his calling. Somebody say change. Change his purpose. Somebody say change. Change it all. Change, right? And so automatically, Peter's following the, the sons of thunder. I'm just, all these, you know, great things are happening. Miracles are happening. They're participating in the miracles. Why? Because they're learning how to be fishers of men. They're learning how to, 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 to catch people, come on, with the, with the gospel, Peter is always getting it wrong. He's fighting when he's not supposed to be fighting and, and pulling out the sword and cutting ears off. And he's saying things like, wherever you go, Jesus, you can count on me. I don't know about the rest of these jokers. They're probably going to let you down, but you can count on me. I'm going to go. In fact, if you go to the grave, I will go there with you. So he's making all these promises, and he's, he's, he means it when he's saying it. But when the rubber meets the road, it, it, it's like, wow, that's just too heavy I can't do it. And so Jesus goes to the cross and Peter's denying Jesus, right? Does all that. Well, now he's got shame and he's got guilt and and he's struggling because he said that he was the one. And so now Peter puts himself in a place that Jesus never put him. Peter removed the anointing off of Peter's life. Peter's the one that took the purpose off of Peter's life. Jesus never did any of that. So Jesus goes to the cross, he raises again, shows himself, you know, to the multitudes of people. Hey, where's Peter? Where's my, where's my guy, Peter? He goes out and he seeks out Peter, and Peter had bought his old boat back, and he went back to fishing for fish. 
And, and Jesus is like, listen, man, I did not change your identity back to being a fisher of fish. You're still a fisher of men. Stop what you're doing and come. Come with me. But I'm telling you, we can get all up. And what's wrong with Peter, man, after all the things that he noticed? But guess what? I can be the same way. And David, you can be the same way. And you can be the same way. And you can be the same way. We can take ourselves out of because of our shortcomings or things didn't happen like we were. We can take ourselves out of. Come on, what God is saying, this is what I've called you to do for this moment. I'm not telling you that it's not going to change at some point. I hope somebody's getting what I'm putting down. Because the word of the Lord is for us today. It's for you online. It's for us in Jesus' name. And I just want to encourage you that God has more for you. If, you. if the Holy Spirit, this is my last statement, if the Holy Spirit has woken up something inside of you during this message, listen, man, there is a responsibility that you have to take with this message. You are responsible for it. To, to start... Stirring yourself back up. Just even if it's just, Lord, if you're calling me back to this thing again, I, I'm, I'm in. Lord, I'm ready. I'll go. I'll do. You know what I mean? But you got to change this up here because this is where you're bound. You're bound. Your captivity is right here. How can you be held captive in the most free nation on the planet, in the nation that has experienced more freedom than anything else? By your thinking. You can, you can have liberties and freedoms and favor all over you, but not step into any of it because you are in chains in your mind. And the Lord is saying, listen, I came to set you free. And he puts your name in the blank. He's not talking to the multitudes. He's talking to you. He said, I have come to set you free. You put your name in there, Steve. You put your name in there. Greater things, man. More lives change through your life. Your business expanding. But even beyond that, come on, more influence. Greater opportunities to serve people. Kids, you know, people your own age and other, you know, uh, who knows what it is. All I'm saying is, is more marriages restored, right? More lives saved. More businesses started. Um, you, you know, more ministries, come on, equipped and sent out. In Jesus' name, amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.